You are now listening to the Gundog Notebook Podcast, hosted by Darrell Smith. episode of the gun dog notebook podcast um we of course are in the booth with uh a uh, uh, little little firecracker right here vegas who is just as jumpy and snappy as it can be for a little you know seven eight week old uh pointer pup and we got ruger who is clearly being a sane person or a sane being and uh just sitting here chilling per usual you know, it's very interesting, the, the dynamic of trying to work and train a lab and then switching over to a totally different mentality um, and a totally, totally different style of training um, a pointer. So I wanted to go over a couple of things to just kind of keep you guys updated with the goings on. Um, first and foremost, I want to talk about Dakota 283 Kennels who is actually going to be on the next episode, uh, Greg Cronkite. It was a very, very entertaining episode, a very, very informational episode. Um, and of course, we talk about some of the Dakota um, 283 products. So that was really, really, really interesting, the way um, that was set up. And we'll get into it, of course, during the next episode. But... I just kind of wanted to talk about some things that's coming up with Dakota 283. So first and foremost, I am uh, actually just <laughs> thoroughly impressed again, per usual, with just how well this G3 kennel suits my particular lifestyle. Um, so I ended up having to clean out kennels um, uh, yesterday. And, you know, it was... It was great because as I'm bleaching it out and scrubbing it down and stuff like that, it's been raining here in Georgia, so there's just a lot of mud. There's a lot of different things going on. Well, the best part about it is I bleach it down, I spray it out, I hose it down, and um, I literally just turn the kennel on its backside, and there's a hole in the top corner of the kennel designed so you can just uh, just basically release it, let it all out, let whatever else out that... Um, that you know might be left in there so it was very very easy to clean um and it's just it's i'm finding more and more things about this particular kennel that i like also with dakota 283 i actually have a um a new product that's coming my way thanks to greg um kind of a sales sample if you will it is a um 
it's a product that they have. It's not necessarily on the website yet. I know it's coming up. It's called the uh, Forever Insert. And it's for puppies, especially if you're in my position, um, where basically if you get a kennel, so I have a G3 medium, which is clearly way too big for um, my pup now. But the best part about it is that Forever Insert will help kind of organize the space within the kennel. So my pup's not, you know, just sitting in basically in a, a very, very large room. I can kind of cut down on the space um, and make it a little bit more organized and not necessarily have to worry about um, a dog pooping or peeing or making an, any kind of accident in the kennel because it's not enough space to. So I want to try that out. Um, and I, I think you guys will get a lot of benefit off of using that particular uh, product. So that's coming up. Um, also, there is um, still the promo code for Dakota283, the uh, TGDN50DD. If you get a G3 kennel, you'll get 50% off of any of the Dine and Dash products. Um, and I'm actually reveling in the Dash 5.0, if I can recommend anybody with multiple dogs. Um, it carries a ton of water. All right. So make sure you guys check that out. Um, hit me up, hit Greg up for any kind of, you know, further details or questions you may have or may need answered um, in the days coming. That promo code is available from February to March. Also, Lion Country Supply. Now, I definitely want to make sure I shout them out and just let you guys know how special Lion Country Supply is for me. Um, because all of the supplies that I've gotten from them recently um, that they sent me, I'm definitely going to be using very, very, very soon. The stakeout chain has already been used. It's got a couple of dents in it already from me using a hammer to stake it into the ground. And I'm already getting a little Vegas um, worked on and, and, and used, to, used to the stakeout. Nothing long, maybe five or six minutes, and then you take them off. But it was great when I was trying to clean out that uh, that G3 kennel because I had somewhere to put the dog. Um, also, just some of the other things that I've been using with Lion Country Supply. That puppy check cord has come in handy and it's tangle-free. So you don't necessarily have to worry about knots and things like that. So, you know, I, I, I love Lion Country Supply for what they're doing for the industry. They really are the world's premier um you know, hunting and gun dog supply company. So I appreciate that. I just want to give uh, Lion Country Supply and Eric Munden and the rest of the guys there a special shout out um, for really looking out for me. With Lion Country Supply, guys, we all know it's puppy season and or it's about to be puppy season. Get your spring wish list together. Get your spring wish list together. And, uh, you know, start looking for that. And I'm going to see what new things or new offerings are coming up from uh, Lion Country Supply in the coming weeks or the coming months. Uh, the Pride Dog Food, guys, 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 when we talk about folks that, again, really care about what it is that they're selling, and I would not vouch for these companies um, if I didn't believe in what it is. It's, it's more than just a name for me. Um, and the Pride Dog Food has definitely stepped up to the plate. And this puppy formula... I'm almost uh, I'm almost mad at myself for not knowing about the pride dog food when I first got Ruger because 
I mean, both of these dogs, one of them, this little, this little pointer here, I can't simmer down because he's doing so well as far as energy. Um, you know, his, 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 his bowel movements and stuff like that looking good. I mean, you've got to look into these things and Vegas can't get enough of it. <laughs> Ruger scarfs it, scarfs it down and, you know, knocks everything out and, both, I'm just really excited that both of my dogs are enjoying it. Vegas, simmer down. Simmer down. I know you're excited. That 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 is what I mean. The dog got a lot of energy. So um you know, with my three sponsors, I really appreciate the things that they've done for me. Um and I really want you guys, if you are a podcast listener, reach out to the guys at Dakota 283, uh Line Country Supply. Um, reach out to me um, at the Pride Dog Food, not at the Pride Dog Food, but reach out for me to uh, direct you to the Pride Dog Food. Um, go to these guys' websites and just check out the new things. Now, my next thing, I have to keep up with the promise that I made. And so Project Upland Magazine, this new issue zero is going to Homer and Kay, okay? They have an Instagram uh, account, and they actually write really, really good blog posts. I was very captivated with their stories, um, and Homer actually got me up to speed on a swan uh, that he just had mounted, <laughs> which was really cool. Um, and so listening to the story about how, uh, you know, how he took that bird was just really, really compelling. So look forward to seeing that in my Instagram stories. But I want you guys to go check out um, uh, bird, it, Birds in Dogs 17. So birds and then the letter in dogs 17, 17. Uh, and that's Homer and Kay. They have a personal blog. And I just really think that the work that they're putting in to really develop stories and, you know, really captivate an audience I think that aligns a lot with the the uh, statement that Project Upland makes with, where, you know, a lot of the times you'll hear AJ say, these are your stories. Well, their stories are really, really cool. They also do um, product reviews and things like that. So, and I've gotten a chance to really speak to Homer quite often and uh, in, the, in the last few weeks. And... I gotta say, I'm impressed with his with his written work. <laughs> I really like it. So Homer, um, Homer and Kay, you guys will be getting a Project Upland uh, issue zero magazine. Now, I also have a boatload of issue number ones now for Project Upland. So that will be the next giveaway. All right, I'm I'm pretty much out of giving away the the issue zeros, um, but I have a number. Um, of issue number ones that I'm looking to give out through the podcast too. So stay tuned for that guys. DM me, reach out to me. Um, let me know what your stories are from this past season. I really, 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 um, like reading. I'm a reading guy. I know that probably sounds, you know, like a lot to do for a magazine. Maybe it doesn't, I don't know, but I, I take the idea that Project Upland says these are your stories. I take that very seriously. Um, I like writing for them, and so I want to see and hear about what other what other things are going on in the Upland and uh, wing shooting uh, community. So, anywho, 
my next giveaway will be a Project Upland magazine uh, issue number one. Also, my next Patreon subscriber, my next subscriber, I'm also going to be giving an issue number one to them too. So go to patreon.com and become a supporter, please. I'm begging you. And, um, you know, I'll see it. I'll get the notification and I'll go ahead and send you issue number one of Project Upland Magazine. All right. Well, just to preface this episode, we've got Steve Snell on the line um, from Gundog Supply. Very, very, very good. Um, not necessarily, you know, product Gundog Supply oriented. It's not one of those podcasts. I've always really liked Steve for um for his just work in with bird dogs and we got in a conversation over facebook after i posted a photo of uh vegas before i got him and he just really took to um the chapro line of dogs so of course i reached out he was definitely somebody that i'd i wanted to get on the podcast for a good little minute now and uh you know, now we're here. <laughs> I really think you guys are going to enjoy the episode. Um, you know, he's very, very close to the Smith family. Ronnie, Rick and Ronnie Smith, Susanna Love. And uh, he talks about that a little bit. So if I can go ahead and uh, cut myself off, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Um, you know, I'll catch you at the end. Let me know what you like. Please rate, review, and uh, subscribe to the podcast if you're not already, if you're new New listener. I'm getting new listeners all the time. Thank you guys again for listening. Stay tuned. All right, guys, this is another episode of the Gun Dog Notebook. And let me just be totally transparent. I got Steve Snell of Gun Dog Supply, the Gun Dog Supply, on the line. And this was one that. I really wanted to do for the longest time. I uh, spoke to my wife and had been kind of trying to itch and find a way to ask Steve to get on. And somehow, Steve, you made a comment about my little dog. And now we got introduced. So thank you for coming on. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so... Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of your new puppy. Hey, look, I, I appreciate it. Now, it, I guess Little Vegas is is Steve Snell approved. He's a Steve's pick. Yeah. <laughs> I do not have room in the kennel, and I want one of those chaparral puppies. Man, you got to get one. You got to get one, Steve. Well, I I, I have been, I'm a bit of a dog collector, and Mm -hmm. uh, I had reached I was up to about fourteen pointing dogs that I was running, and uh, and it was it was just too much, and I'm I'm backing down, so I'm I'm on a puppy free. Uh, <laughs> I got two la- I got two last no two year old. I got two that'll be two this spring, mm-hmm. and uh, I've got to I've just got to get a little distance between uh, between young dogs and, and where I am, and, and fortunately uh, Pine Hill's got some really nice dogs, so mm-hmm. I I think I have some time, but. Uh, but they're nice dogs. I'm a big fan of uh, I'm a big fan of of, of uh, Gary's work. He's uh, he's raised some really nice dogs. Oh yeah. So before we even get into it, let me talk about Gary first of all. Gary, like when you pull up to the kennel, it's I felt like I was walking up to like the pearly gates or something like that. Like it's hmm. it's this really nice drive up a hill, and then you see the kennel. It says you know Pine Hill Kennels on the front. It just looks all majestic, and 
Gary was not shy about proving how good his dogs were. Oh, sure. He was not surprised at all. And he told me, next thing I know, my wife went in to talk to his wife, and we got into his little Polaris Ranger. Um, I think it was a Polaris Ranger. But anyway, drove up to the kennel, and he was like, look, just grab three dogs. Let's take them out. And he went, and he was like, give me a second. I'm going to go catch a quail real quick. Caught one out the pen, and... He was like, look, if, you know, I'm, I'm showing you this basically to show you how proven these genetics are. I, man, I was floored. Sure. <laughs> so. I understand. If you can get a Pine Hill dog, man, get one. If you can get one, definitely get one. So yeah. now I want to start off. You just got done with. A, a, an incredible hunt. You was in Texas, then South Georgia, and then back to Texas. Talk, let's let's, let's okay. open up with that. <laughs> well, we we just wrapped up. Uh, Texas closed uh, quail season on Sunday, uh-huh. and uh, it's been it's been a pretty rough year. Um, I, I normally get out there a good bit, and uh, populations are, are way down this year, especially compared to the last couple of years. Really, but, uh, but I've still got to. Yeah, um, we haven't had a hatch in, and I'm talking about West Texas. Uh, I typically I've hunted South Texas a couple of times, but I typically don't hunt in South Texas. And they had, you know, from everybody I've talked to, they had a much better year um, this year than than we did out in West Texas. But uh, we had we've had record number of, of we've had you know last uh, 2015, 2016, um, and 2016-17 were the best I'd ever seen. Really? Um, I've been hunting in Texas. Yes, sir. I've been hunting in Texas since uh, probably 91, somewhere in that neighborhood. And uh, our best day in 16, 17 was 42 cubbies. Our best day in uh, 17, I mean, 16, 17. Yeah, so 16, 17, 17, 18. Our, our best day the next year was 53. What? And all that's, yeah, and that's on foot. So we're talking about long, tough days. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to do with that uh, many cubbies. <laughs> yeah, just an amazing number of birds. Last year, um, we were finding 15 to 20 cubbies a day, um, and, the, and the numbers started getting worse as the season as the season dragged on. And then this year, our best day on the same piece of ground was about 10 cubbies. And that was, the, oh, we, we did that once and, and didn't do, uh, from then on out, it was more like in the neighborhood of, of three to four. Um, so, you know, quail, quail are one of those birds that can, that can boom and bust, especially in that part of the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're just, we're just, we haven't had decent rainfall in about two years. And right. we're having some, uh, we're having some parasite issues, uh, which is not helping anything. And, uh, really? Parts, uh, yeah. And, uh, uh, but, you know, so it's, it's one of those things that right now we've had really good winter rains and, mm-hmm. and I was pretty pleased with, with, uh, with our bird numbers as far as how consistent they were throughout the year. We're finding birds, um, on my the pieces of property that I have access to. Mm-hmm. Um, we were finding pretty decent, um, as far as finding birds all over the ranch. And so, uh, uh, so I feel good going into it. Hopefully, we'll have the right kind of rainfall, uh, but it's part of it. Um, um, we it, it comes and it goes. Right, right. Of and, course, uh, we still got a little bit of still got a little bit of work done. I've got two young dogs, and 
um, they're they're coming along nicely. So. Right, 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 right. And I can get it now. It's something that I hadn't thought about, and you just brought it up: parasite issues. What talk about that a little mm-hmm. bit? Like, how do parasites kind of affect the numbers? Well, there's there's two things going on. I'm a board member of the Rolling Plains Quail Research Foundation, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a it's a West Texas uh, research facility that's that's dedicated strictly to quail. Okay. And, uh, um, and I, I'm not an expert on it by any stretch. I'm I'm on the board because I'm a bird hunter. Right. And uh, we have <laughs> yeah. some real talented scientists. Dr. Dale Rollins is uh, is our director, and uh, we have some real talented scientists that are working on that. And right now, and this is a West Texas issue. Um, it, it doesn't seem to be an issue in in other parts of the, the quail range, but in but in uh, the Rolling Plains, we're we're seeing uh, two different parasites. Uh, there's a eye worm. And there's a uh, sequel worm, um, which is an intestinal worm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, to me, quail booms and busts are, are, are based on rainfall. Rainfall is the, the primary. If you don't have the right kind of rainfall, you don't get the nesting. And if you don't get the right kind of rainfall, then you don't have bugs. And baby quail have to have bugs to survive. Uh, so rainfall is a really big factor, but uh, but we're also seeing you know a good bit of of survival issues because of some of the parasites. And uh, the the research foundation has been working on that for uh, for several years, and uh, hope to see some some results soon. Um, but it's it's been, it's a very interesting uh, uh, very interesting to to learn and understand, and and, and hunters uh, love to. You know, to participate and give back and, and mm-hmm. support the, the wildlife that they hunt. So I'm I'm, I'm really honored to be a member of it. Uh, I've got a real strong Facebook. Uh, uh, if you just look up Quail Research, uh, the website's quailresearch.org, and uh, I'd love to, to you know, like I said, get some folks on that can, can talk to you more about it than I can. Oh, absolutely! Um, like, uh, we've got to get Mr. Rollins. We're in a major fundraising uh, situation right now, so we're we spent a lot of money on research, and now we're looking for more donors. So, if you'd like to, you know, if you'd like to come up with a couple million for us, we'd be very interested in talking to you about it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll uh, yeah. give you a call tomorrow about a couple million. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> I'm glad you think it. so highly of me. <laughs> I do. I do. But no, it's a, it's a great organization. It's really, it's actually one of my favorite. Dr. Rollins does a great job and uh, a lot of information. And so if you are interested in, in, in uh, quail, quail mm-hmm. habitat, uh, he's got a monthly newsletter that he does that, that's, that's wonderful. And uh, the Facebook page does a lot of really cool things. So, uh, so it's the Rolling Plains Quail Research Foundation. Okay. Well, so when, when, we, that I... when we get off, um, I know it's real early to say this, but when we get off, I want to get that information from you. Um, of course, sure. I've met Dr. Rollins on, but hey, man, I'm a quail sure. man. That's that's my game. That's sure. my preferred game. So, um, sure. and I also want to come out to Texas to run this little English pointer in my lab. Oh, sure. um, you know, I got to get out there. I feel like if I can hunt Thomasville, Georgia. Well, yeah. why would I not come out to Texas? Well, now it's a different world. I was down there. Uh, I was down in Thomasville, uh, and and let me tell you, man, I grew up hunting in the woods, mm-hmm. but I've been hunting out west for a long time, and shooting in the woods is I, I've lost my ability to shoot the way I like to. <laughs> you got a little spoiled. You just don't have it. You just don't have as much time. We have a lot of time out west, and oh, I, we were down to Piney Woods, and I got embarrassed. <laughs> It was tough, and I grew up in Mississippi quail hunting. I'm used to hunting, and mm-hmm. although I grew up hunting, I grew up hunting cutovers. A little bit different game than they're playing in Thomasville. Right, and, uh, right, right. We, we, but I, yeah, it's 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 different. Uh, you have a lot of wide open out in Texas, mm-hmm. so it's, it's a different game. 
Well, but uh, talking about Thomasville, it's a similar. You know, what we try to do is is similar to what Tall Timbers is doing down mm-hmm. in that part of the world, mm-hmm. and so uh, very very similar. And a lot of information is passed back and forth between those two organizations, and they have an amazing organization down there. If you're not, if anybody's not familiar with Tall Timbers uh, in the southeast, that is mm-hmm. that is the that is the thing to check out. Oh man! So, now and and, and just to just to give a little backup to what you just said about Tall Timbers. So guess what I got today, Steve. Uh, Steve, not Tell Steve. Me. So Steve, I got a hat in the mail. Okay, from Red Hills Clothing Company. All right, yeah. from yeah. my buddy Stephen Grow, who I need to shout out right now because I got my my um, first Bob White down there this past season. A first wild one. He sent me a hat with just a quail on the front, Red Hills Clothing Company on the back. Sure. But that purchase goes to Tall Timbers Research. Right. Um, and that's just a testament. I mean, little small things like that is just a testament to how much they're really putting, Tall Timbers is putting into sure. quail research. And also, when I was down there, if you go hunt, I'm going to give away one of my spots, River yeah. Creek WMA. Mm-hmm. Those guys are managing that public property. Sure. I mean, to a T. They ask you, and even when you fill out the paperwork, they ask you how it was almost like a customer uh, a um, customer service experience. They sure. ask you how was it, what did you think, how many birds did you get, how many did you cripple, things like that. And that to me let me know that tall timbers and all the biologists down that way really do care about quail numbers down there. And so when people sit here and BS about, oh, there are no quail in the Southeast, no, 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 no. (laughs) They're here. You just got to do the research because there are people putting their hands and feet into the dirt to make sure that these birds are still here. Well, it's a a challenge in the Southeast. Um, I have... I have dealt with it. I grew up quail hunting in Mississippi, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's it's nothing. And, and I I did not. I'm I'm 48. I'll be 49 next month. Um, I did not grow up in the the boom time of the mm-hmm. um, you know of of quail in this part of the world. It's, it's right. definitely not like it used to be. Right. Um, no question about it. And uh, and we're fortunate to still have some places. Um, that part of of South Georgia, North. Florida, the Panhandle of Florida, um, is is a special part of the world. Oh um, man! It's, if, if, if you've never seen it, it's worth seeing. It's. Um, it, I tell people anytime somebody goes, it's magical. Like the the first word that comes to my mind is it's just majestic. Like, sure. it, you just walk through it. You don't have to hunt. You don't need a gun. Just walk. Well, the way I shoot, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, look, I'm, I'm, you might be a little bit better than me then, because I'm. I was just surprised I even had my gun loaded, the one uh, that I got. <laughs> I, I, I have my moments. It was it was a tough trip down there. Yeah. Really, I'm, I'm having a struggle with it. We didn't. Uh, I didn't even uncase my gun when I was in Texas last week. Uh, I had a couple of buddies with me, and we. I think we only killed two birds the entire week. We just our our, our numbers are so low. We're trying not to to. Uh, only time we're shooting birds right now is for really you know puppies in perfect situations. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so I've got to I got to go back and get my mojo back because I've, I've kind of lost it. So I've got to I got to work on that. Man, man, look, don't 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 give me the Austin Powers, man. You ain't lost no mojo. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> so we will see. Steve, let's 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 talk, man. How how did you even get started in this? 
Uh, I come from a long line of quail hunters. Uh, okay. My father and my and, and his older brother and uh, and they had an uncle that uh, was a farmer in uh, in in Mississippi, and he quail hunted six days a week uh, during you know during quail season because uh, you know he farmed uh, during the year and then he quail hunted. Uh, every day but Sunday, and uh, wow. so I grew up. Um, I don't remember a time before bird dogs and, and quail hunting. Um, it was it was just part. Of my my father raised dogs. My uncle raised dogs, um, and I, I I would wait when I was too small to go. I would wait for him to come home to help clean birds, um, and you know uh, playing with bird dogs. And and it's just it's just always been a a, a major part of my life. Um, my parents started the company in the early seventies. Um, and so I, I grew up, I grew up around it and, uh, really just, uh, it's just, it's just part of, of who I am, I guess, as much as anything, okay. um, had a small stint during college where I didn't go quite as much, but mm-hmm. I, I, I would go, um, I, my wife, uh, who I met in college, uh, she and I had to have a, a little, come together after my first quail season while we were just dating because mm. I was gone too much, you know, for her, she was up at Starville and I was going down, I was going down to, to we hunted in the Southern part of the state mm-hmm. and I was going every weekend going quail hunting. And, and, you know, it was one of those things that, uh, um, it's just, uh, I just grew up doing it and dogs are a giant part of it. I really don't do anything. Um, I, uh, uh I, I'm a, I hunt upland birds primarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a little bit of duck hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, tend to duck hunt when the quail numbers are bad mm-hmm. um and that's that's really i duck hunted more this year than i have in probably five or six years yep. um because i just went when for for us in this part of the world uh, anytime duck season's open quail season's open mm-hmm. and so uh so uh i do get to travel to some of the western states and uh montana the dakotas uh and you know it's always for uh you know sharp tailed Huns and uh, I, occasional pheasant. Um, I'm usually further south. Um, I'll, I'll hit pheasants in Kansas sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but when it all comes down to it, I'm just waiting for uh, I'm waiting for for Texas to open, and I'm waiting for it to get the weather to get decent in Texas. Uh, the quail season opens the end of October, but they can still have days in the 90s. And uh, uh, I don't like I don't like snakes. So uh, oh my god, I was going to ask you about that yeah. too. But yeah, I wanted to get to that, and I didn't put it in the questions, but I wanted to ask sure. you that too. I've seen a few rattlesnakes. I haven't seen many. I, okay. I, I like I said, I, I hunt out west, and so it's not as bad. Okay. Um, in South Texas, they kill some big ones. Okay. Uh, but uh, but uh, and we have them out. It's not that we don't have them out west. We just I just don't. Uh, um, I try to be real picky where I go. I've, I've been so what twenty six, twenty seven years. I have seen two rattlesnakes in Texas in that time period. Really? I so, uh, I yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. That's real good because here in Georgia, man, yeah. especially hunting mm-hmm. down in uh, Thomasville, you yeah. gonna catch rattlers, you gonna catch gators. Yeah, you are going to catch mm-hmm. gators. I think gators scare me more than rattlers. A snake is gonna more oh. likely just run off. Yeah, but a gator it scares me, man. Uh, and, and when I when I was down there, gators coming a little better. You can you, but the thing is, yeah. you got to think though, Steve. I have a lab, so sure. I'm I'm quick to send my dog into the water to retrieve maybe a, mm. the, the passing wood duck. Um, sure. And when I saw those signs, it was a wood duck that we yeah. were kind of messing with, and it had landed in a pond. 
and I was trying to send my dog in literally to flush it out and I shoot it and he just retrieve it. Sure. I saw that sign for the Gators, yep. man. We were kind of like, mm, it's not worth it. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> I, uh, we have uh, we have gators up here, um, not quite like they have further you get down into uh, you know into into South Georgia and Florida, but we we have a good many of them, and, and you need to be careful around them. Uh, I'm still going to stick with snakes being more of a. Um, I, I, I worry more about snakes than the gators, but but I don't blame you for worrying about the gators. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, now with snakes, but we we. One of the things that we do, and, and you can snake break dogs, which I typically don't snake break my dogs, but, I was but I, ask I'm not you. opposed to it. Um, and we do, there's a rattlesnake vaccine um, that uh, that I have never had. I, I use it on my dogs. I've never had a dog bit, so I, I don't have a lot of experience with that, but I know some folks that have, and it Fucking mainly dope. slows down what's yeah. going on. Um, and so for folks that are hunting in those areas, I've, I've had good success with it. Um, at least it makes me feel better. Um, but... I think the biggest thing to watch out is is temperature. Um, you know, as far as as far as how hot you're running your dogs, uh, and, and early season too. I've seen I have seen rattlesnakes um, in Montana in in September and early October, and so uh, so it's it's a it's a concern. You know, mm-hmm. being a bird dog is a dangerous life. Right. Um, it is not. It is not. It's not an easy life for for a bird dog. It's uh, everything out there is trying to get them. It's kind of like being a quail. They, they, right. But, uh, they, they're, they're just a little bit bigger. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> yeah. And so you do have to protect them. I think that that's probably the biggest part of our of our jobs uh, as dog owners is right. the, um, a, a good bird dog will hurt himself given the opportunity. Right. And so uh, so we spend a lot of time trying to make sure that that doesn't happen. Right. Right. And right. So right. Just one of the many one of the many dangers. Now, let me ask you this, and, and we'll move on, but you, Steve, sure. you've got a lot of experience just hunting in general, especially hunting the different types of southern terrain that you do. For the sure. average novice hunter, do you think it's beneficial for them to go ahead, pay the money to get a dog snake broke? Um, it depends on where you hunt. Um, um, I would, I would, like I said, if I, if I was hunting in South Texas or if I was in Arizona, um, you know, I would, I would probably... Um, seriously consider it. Um, I think it's, I, I've seen dogs that were snake broke and, and seen how they react to snakes. And it's definitely a, you know, definitely a good thing. Um, it's, it's not pretty to watch, you know, right. being done, but, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm, it's one of those things where it, it, it depends on, on how you look at it. Um, it's like a lot of other things. Um, you know, we've had more encounters with uh, porcupines and skunks and badgers uh, okay. than we have with snakes. Okay. And uh, you really can't break them off of everything. And so some of it's, you know, you just kind of got to know what's going on and know what kind of situations you're putting them in. Um, but, uh, but I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, um, but a lot of it depends on where you are. Right. Um, you know, there's certain parts of the country where it's just not an issue. Um, but you know, Everybody's had to deal, you know, there's just certain critters you have to deal with. Porcupines are the worst. Right. Um, there's nothing worse than a dog that likes porcupines. You know, and I've, I've so. never come, I come across armadillos down here. Yeah. Um, yeah. A I ton of that, that that loved to kill armadillos. And um, it, she it, would bring them back. Yeah, she'd retrieve them and bring them back to us just covered in blood and there's not a scratch on her. And yeah, yeah, that was... Uh, it's funny, I don't see that many armadillos in the part of Texas that I'm in, but oh my I, God. I see them in Mississippi. I see them all the time, and it scares me because of the whole leprosy thing. Um, yeah, um, 
I, I don't know how much of an issue. I, I'm not, uh, you know, my, my biggest issue with, with that type of stuff, and, and that kind of comes back to training, and it comes back to a certain amount of control over your dog. Um, I, I'm, I'm guilty of it myself in that I don't like to put – I like my bird dogs to be a little bit wild right. um, just because I like them to have a little bit of that edge to them. Mm-hmm. But having that level of control, you know, having a level of control over your dog where you can get them down from a situation like that it, it is important. Um, and being able to break them off of, you know, them understand them being e-collar conditioned to the point that you can break them off of something like that um, is, is, to me, is really important because there's a lot of um, – you know, certain certain animals, uh, you know, skunks are terrible, but but usually dogs don't get too messed up by them. It's just you know the smell. you have to you know clean up, which you know there's a trick to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, um, you know uh, th- there are certain dangerous situations, and, and so having a having a high level of, of control over your dog without taking the you know taking the drive out of them is the trick. Right. Right. And so, uh, but it is, it's, it's dangerous to be a bird dog. There's, right. there's all sorts of hazards out there. Look, man, you preach it to the choir over here. So right. growing up, Steve, just mm-hmm. because you grew up with bird dogs and your, your, mm-hmm. your father did it, your parents did it. What were some of the, the earliest memories that you have? Like what made you say, this is what I'm going to do? You know, I, I don't know if, if I could trace it back to, um, you know, I remember, I mean, I, I remember certain, I remember buying my first shotgun. I remember the first, you know, first BB gun that I got. I remember just being fascinated with dogs. Um, I, I don't know if there was some sort of, um, you know, it's interesting. My brother, Rob and I own mm-hmm. the company and we're, we're full partners. Rob does not hunt. Um, my dad took him a few times. It just wasn't his thing really and grew up in the exact same household yeah he has now he goes and he does an enormous amount of our photography and if you see a video of me there's a pretty good chance that rob shot it he's heavily involved with the company and he loves his animals and loves his outdoors he's one of the best outdoor photographers i know really and uh, but he doesn't yeah he doesn't hunt he's not opposed to it by any stretch he he loves it he, he uh, especially ducks he's big he's big duck uh, uh he likes he likes for us to shoot ducks right um so uh um, I just, you know, it was just something that I always had a connection with. I, I don't, um, I don't have a really great, yeah. Um, and, uh, I was just around a lot of it. Um, it was just, it was just part of what we did. Okay. And, uh, I got my first bird dog when I was nine. Um, that was mine. Um, it was a Brittany that we got from Rick Smith and, uh, my father was, was big. When I, when I was a kid, he had pointers and setters. And then in the late 70s, early 80s, he got into Britney's. And my first bird dog was a Britney. Man, what what, what uh, is it with these pointer and setter guys going over to Britney's? What's, why? <laughs> well, I, okay. I, I, have a, I have an explanation for it. Um, and, uh, um, and and we had some great Britney's. Uh, we had just some great big-time bird dogs. Um, I, I am... Uh, I am incredibly open-minded when it comes to pointing dogs. And mm-hmm. some of that has to do with, with where I was raised, and some of it has to do – I received a lot of grief from uh, – we used to field trial, and, uh, and we see, I received a lot of grief from pointer and setter guys because those were the dogs in, in, in Mississippi in the 80s right. and, and way before that. Um, you know, they, 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 a lot of folks had never even seen a Britney when we were running Britney. Um, and uh, um, I, you know, I like good bird dogs. Um, and so, uh, my dad was one of these guys and I have customers that are like this. I am not this guy, but my dad was the guy, he wanted a dog that nobody else had. 
Okay. Um, and I run into a lot of that. That seems to be a very common. Um, people are looking for something that's unique, um, mm-hmm. and I, I do see that a lot in our customers. Um, I don't really have that. Um, I, I don't know what it is, but I, it's not in me. Um, I like certain dogs for certain situations. I've had a lot of different. Um, what do I got right now? I've got mainly pointers. I've got a setter. Okay. I've got a Brittany. Um, I've had German short hairs. Oh, um, I've got labs. Oh God. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Love oh God and oh God. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, I've never had, um, I, and I've hunted behind you know everything else. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I think there, there's a couple, when people are picking dogs, I, I have certain things that I like to stick to. Um, I like pointers because of the heat that I hunt in. They tend to be able to handle heat better than my Britneys. Uh, they handle heat better than my setters. Um, the German shorthairs to me handled heat better. German shorthairs actually for me handled heat and cold better, where my pointers don't handle cold very well. Right. Oh, but this I one. Primarily, look. you know, I primarily hunt in, in parts of the world that tend to be hotter, mm-hmm. um, and so a dog that can handle heat is is important to me. The only thing that I run into occasionally with folks uh, when they're picking dogs is they're they're picking dogs in that are in situations that aren't suited to what they primarily hunt. And uh, that, that's always a concern for me. Um, right. I tend to buy dogs. I tend to buy dogs from out west mm-hmm. um, because I want dogs that are bred to hunt in the environment that I hunt in. So right. I, I typically buy dogs out of Texas, and I've bought dogs out of Arizona before. Uh, and, you know, areas that, that, that are a little more, you know, heat. My German short hairs, had, had, most of them came out of, of Texas because same thing there. I'm going to be hunting in Texas primarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Pine Hill Kennels, originally, um, before I, I, I knew much about them, I probably would not have thought to buy a dog out of Tennessee mm-hmm. just because we just don't have, you know, it, it's a different environment. Oh, yeah. Um, as, far and, as, as far as hunting. But yep, all yep, of Gary's yep, yep. dogs come from that part of the world, and he and he hunts out there. Yep. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so, um, so that was actually what kind of led me that way, not to go back to that but so you know you want to look at your you want to look at what you're doing and make sure that the that the dog that you pick um fits what you're primarily doing right um i don't like it cold so i when i go up you know if i go to montana or the dakotas you know it's early season and i got to get out of there before november rolls around i'm, I'm just not cut <laughs> for it you know? yeah. I, yeah, I, I get real. I've gotten, and the older I get, the worse I get. And I, I you know, I like for it to be about fifty, fifty degrees. It gets much colder than forty-five. You know, I, I start getting a little upset. So. A little upset. Well, it's it's interesting that you say that because in, in a couple of things that I noticed. So I hunt in Georgia primarily. Georgia, Alabama, yeah. south, southern Alabama, around Midway, sure. um, <clears throat> and of course the Pine Hill dog is coming from from Tennessee, so. My lab, who also came from Georgia, he he will deal with the cold because of the nature of being a lab. But right. I don't think I could take him out to like, like when we were, matter of fact, when we were in Kansas, the cold struck him worse than what I would expect a typical lab that's used to that. It struck him harder. Well, my stance on that would be is that he could get used to it in the same way I guess that I could get used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it really, a lot of it's what you're used to. Okay. Um, and, and conditioning comes down to that and what they're exposed to. But, yeah, he's not used to Kansas can get nasty. Oh, and, Kansas uh, is terrible. Yeah. I got a piece of yeah. – I, yeah. I don't know what it's called, but I got a piece of frostbite in the tip of my fingers. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't care for that. <laughs> but yeah, I typically I typically get scared out of Kansas. Usually, you know, I'll, I'll make it to like mid late December. But and I have a lot of buddies that are up there that I hunt with, and they want me to come up in January, and I'm just I'm just a little paranoid. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, it's just not. I'm just I'm just I'm a fair weather hunter, when it, and I'm just getting terrible about it. Well, you know, you 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 a Southern boy at the end of the day, man. I don't care exactly. whether you're from Mississippi yeah. or whether you're from Georgia. We all the same neighbors. Yes. Yes. I can't. I just can't. I just don't understand it. I've got. I've got a. I've got a stepsister that lives up in uh, in Michigan now, and she sends me these pictures. And she's from. She's from down here, and she's up there, and it's crazy. I don't know how they do it. I just could do it. I'm I good. It. Look, that is that is why I got a pointer. I said number one. I don't want another dog that's going to shed as much of a, as as much as a lab. But number oh, two, I hate to tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I found out I'm already. Sorry. Pointer shed. <laughs> They do. They do. <laughs> and I got a seven week old pointer and this little joker sheds, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah. So, you can brush them out that way. So just, just brush them out. Yeah. So now let me ask you this, Steve. Early on, I of course, you know, we all know gun dog supply and you are the founder and owner, correct? No, 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 no. Son of the founder. Yeah. Son my, of my the founder. started the business. Yeah. No, my parents started the business in 1972. Okay. Um, I, so I, I grew up in it. Um, you know, uh, we, it was a much, it was a mail order company, but mail order back in the seventies was a little different. And, uh, we did, we did a good bit of mail order and we manufactured a lot of stuff. I say we, my parents did. I was, I was two at the time when they started it. Um, and uh, eventually, it, it turned more into a retail um, business. In the mid '80s to mid '90s, we were more of a, of a dog food. We were based in uh, Ridgeland, which is just north of Jackson, which is, is the biggest city in the state of Mississippi. And um, we were really big into uh, we sold a lot of dog food um, and uh, a lot of dog supplies. And we still had mail order, but it wasn't quite it wasn't anything like this today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, in the mid '90s, we had a PetSmart open up across the street from us, and um, you know we're able to compete with them, but it was a gigantic challenge. Right. And uh, this is '95, and my father and I had started hunting in Texas um, around '91, and he was a little surprised actually to see how many folks were still hunting. The, the quail numbers in Mississippi had declined drastically, and. Uh, you know, it was an eye opener just to see the number of folks that were, that were hunting. And so he started to get back into, you know, going, well, we need to start pushing these things again. We need to do the mail order again. And, uh, still real challenging for a small company. Um, uh, catalogs are expensive and mail outs are expensive. And, uh, in 96, my mother, um, told, you know, started looking at the internet, mm-hmm. um, and uh, this was kind of new, um, you know. The internet was a, was a new thing. And in in the fall, let's see, the spring of '97, my brother put a catalog request form on online. Uh, and within about two or three days, my father said, "Either you figure out how to sell stuff online, or you cut the catalog request thing off." Because we were getting so many requests that you know it was just it was just out of control. Right. So we put stuff online and we were online in the spring of 97 um wow. and by okay. within a year it was out of hand and uh i my brother and i owned another company uh and um we were working together on some other stuff and rob was doing internet development um 
in the in the mid '90s and uh, and put them online and like by night by the fall of '98 it had reached a point where they couldn't handle it anymore and I came in to to oversee it and I've been doing primarily that for the last 20 years um, and so uh, so it's been a lot of fun um, very different um, but we're one of those companies that we got in real early on the internet and uh, really changed uh, changed everything about what we do. Wow. And so, uh, so I get to spend most of my time talking about bird dog gear and talking to bird hunters and not just bird hunters. We're, we're actually very broad. Uh, we cover, we cover a little bit of everything. And, uh, so I mainly get to to spend time talking to dog folks and and when I go bird hunting and duck hunting, it counts as work. Right. So, uh, so very, uh, and, and, and that's the thing you guys cover a whole gamut of bird hunters you know, like yep. talk about the hound guides that buy from me because I know that's a big part of it too. It's a gigantic, it's a gigantic business, and it. Uh, um, we're, you know, we, I've got two guys, three guys that work for me that are that are hound guys, um, and uh, mainly because I I don't know a lot about it. Um, mm-hmm. I my, my dad coon hunted when he was a kid, um, but uh, but never you know I never did when I was, and I, I wasn't really exposed to it until uh, until I got back into the company. And uh, yeah, it's a gigantic, uh, gigantic market. Lots of dogs, and they're they're very, very, very involved with it, and huge, huge. Uh, and we just we just do, we do a lot of hound business. It's uh, it's a it's fascinating to me. I, I get to go every once in a while, and uh, you know, it's always interesting to me. Um, we got um, we try to have, you know, I I I'm the quail guy, um, and I I can talk about duck hunting a little bit. But I've got I've got duck hunters that work for me, and I've got houndsmen me and I've got rabbit hunters that work for me and you know we, we try to cover a lot of those different different areas because people like to talk to you know to somebody that knows what they're doing right. and I can you know if you've got a question about the hound gear I can you know I can talk to you about the tracking stuff I can talk to you about the e-collars but I don't you know I don't I don't share that passion for, for hounds that you know that my my uh, sales guys do say sales guys are product guys but uh, so so it's nice to have somebody that does you know and I've gotten to do it a good bit um, and I can see, you know, where the part of it where I go, okay, that's the part that you like. You know, I can see that. I can see where I can watch a pack of rabbit dogs and I can go, oh, there it is right there. That's the part that, that you like where I watch a dog go on point. This is what does it for me. You know? right. So it's, it's always fascinating. Uh, most of the dog sports are very similar. Um, you have a lot of similarities in how the houndsmen do stuff and how the rabbit guys do stuff and, and waterfowl and bird dogs. You know, there's a lot of similarities between them. Um, and so, uh, so that helps a bunch, um, you know, cause I can, I can talk to pretty much anybody about it, but, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, we like to have guys that, that know it mainly because, you know, they, they see the nuances that I miss. And, uh, you know, we, we, when we're talking to manufacturers about products and we're looking for things, um, I want to know what that end user is looking for in that product. And so having guys that, that that's what they do, that's what their passion is, it's important to us. And so we spend a lot of time talking to people and, and looking at ideas. And um, it, It's just, uh, it, it's, it's a fun business. It really right. is. I'm, I, uh, I, I get a lot of grief from my friends that talk about me not working. Uh, <laughs> you don't I, work. But I, it's really, well, it's, it, it is fun. I mean, I, I can't complain. I, I know yeah. it. um, it's, it's a lot of fun. We have, yeah. we have a good time. Yeah. Well, I, I, I can see that. And I, I give you grief because I do know that it is a business at the end of the day. But, you okay. know, your work is definitely something I aspire to. Um, just being able to go out and it's almost like product testing in a lot of ways. 
You know, um, you get a chance to see what works and what doesn't work. So, you know, I, I, I wanted to ask you just as far as, you know, different products and things like that. Sure. Is, is there like a Steve's pick? Cause, and also I'm asking this for selfish reasons. Is there a Steve's sure. pick for electronic collars? Like, I know that's well, a, a thing for you on the on the website. Typically, typically when I'm when I'm talking to somebody, I'm going to find out what you're doing first and go mm-hmm. because you know what 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 a rabbit guy needs compared to what a waterfowler needs to what bird dog guy needs to what a houndsman needs. There'll be some similarities, but it's not the same thing. Um, the first product that I would get you to look at, um, and I well, the next thing I'm going to say is, well, what do you have right now? Mm-hmm. And so, do you have anything? Do you have anything right now? I don't use anything. I okay, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. I don't have anything okay. right now. Okay. Um, when I'm looking at when I'm looking at e collars, um, I'm always looking at something that's got a certain level of stimulation. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to have you have to have a certain number of stimulation levels to be able to work a dog. Um, typically, most dogs are going to respond with. Depends on the situation, and you can have three or four levels that, that are going to work for your dog. The problem is, is that until we use a system on your dog, we can't tell you what those three or four levels are going to be. Right. And so you want something that's got a wide range of stimulation. And for most dogs, they don't need that much. So we need stuff that starts off really low, uh, and then we need it to gradually increase. Mm-hmm. And so there, there, usually if I'm recommending a collar, um, there are... Uh, they, they have a certain number of stimulation levels, uh, and so I'm usually looking for something in the you know in the 20 range, um, depending on the collar. Um, we have certain collars that have less than that that have that have good stimulation levels, but I want something that starts off really low and gradually increases, and that way I can I can find the right level for the dog. Um, and I, I, I tend to, I like to have a good range too of going. Okay, well in this price range we have this, and in this price range you know we have this. Um, with bird dogs, I like tracking. Um, I want the ability to know where that dog is um, because unlike, say, a Labrador, you know, your Labrador is probably not too far away from you no matter what you're doing. Steve, when I tell you I don't use an e-collar for them, I've got no need to. Yeah, sure. Well, and that's and there, 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 there are a number of dogs that are that way, um, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, tracking to me is probably more important than anything else with a pointing dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know... Uh, I, I occasionally have folks say, well, some, some point dogs are close working dogs. They don't need it. Um, we got into to tracking back in the late nineties. Um, we had a, we had a, a Brittany that was a very close working dog. She was about a 30 yard dog and, uh, she was, she was not a very good puppy dog, but she was a great singles dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was a mad, uh, dead bird dog. I mean, we didn't lose birds when Maggie was on the ground, you know, she'd find every one of them. Right. Um, I dropped a bird out of my vest one day, and I kind of remember where I thought it was. I took her back to it, and she found it. Um, you know, she was just one of those dogs, and she got off on a track. Uh, we had a big running dog that was way out front, on point, and everybody went that way, and Maggie went to the left, and 30 minutes later, you know, we're looking for Maggie and can't find her. Um, so very close working dog that got lost. She was gone for four days, and we got very lucky that, that some bird hunters found her about 20 wow. miles from the last place we had seen her. So... After that, and this was the dog, too, that when we called my mother that night and said, hey, we lost Maggie, she's, she's out there somewhere, her response was, well, don't come home until you find her. This sounds like my wife. And we're 800 miles from home. So you wow. know, it was one of those things of, oh, great. So, uh, and we got real lucky. We had, you know, ID plates on her, and we had some hunters that, that were bird hunting. 
Uh, we were up uh, right at the Panhandle, and they were uh, they were down with Matador WMA in Texas and Founder, and we were we were about fifteen or twenty miles north of that. We were hunting on a lease. Um, so after that, we got into telemetry um, because my father said, "Okay, we're not doing this again. Find me something where I can track dogs." Right. And we got into telemetry. That was years before GPS came out. So all that leads up to I'm going to look at something that's got GPS with it. And uh, Garmin uh, back in the fall released the perfect bird dog. Uh, GPS system, mm-hmm. and uh, it's called the five. Yeah, it's called the five fifty plus. The Pro five fifty plus. A, yep. Yeah, it's a Pro five fifty plus. Now yeah. there's two. There's a Pro five fifty, which is just an e collar, and then there's a Pro five fifty plus, which is an e collar, but it also has GPS tracking. Yeah. And uh, it is it is a great bird dog collar. I absolutely love mine. Um, and basically, it's a very stripped down tracking system in that it's going to tell you the direction that your dog is in and how far away he is from you, and if he's moving or if he's stopped. And I say moving or stopped, you know, a lot of people say, well, that's a point indicator. Well, all it tells you is the dog's not moving, you know. Right. And, and with a bird dog, you should typically be, stu- you know, be on point. Uh, but but it'll just tell you whether or not the collar's moving or not. It has an accelerometer in it, and so it can, it can tell you if the collar's moving or if it's, if it's stationary. And so uh, great, great product for keeping up with, you know, with, with bird dogs. Um, right. It's uh, that that's what it was designed for, and uh, and but it's also a great e collar, and so it's my primary, uh, it's my primary collar right now, and so big fan of uh, of all the Garmin GPS stuff, but the 550 plus is is a wonderful bird dog collar. Okay, yeah, I was definitely so, looking at the 550 plus. Um, yeah. That was it, it was between that and the Dogtra TMB. Um, mm-hmm. but I think both of those are great collars. I really do. Sure. Oh, I, you know, I, I'm, I, it was funny. We were talking about beepers this weekend and, uh, I had a dog of mine catch a pig out in, uh, in, uh, Texas. Really? Which, uh, we didn't mention pig. Yeah. We didn't mention pigs. When we were talking about dangerous things, but, <laughs> um, yeah, pigs are, yeah, pigs are a whole different thing. But, uh, yeah, fortunately he didn't get hurt. I got real lucky. Um, it was a little bitty pig and mama was nowhere to be around. Uh, wow. but, um, I miss the only thing I miss about beepers is that beepers warn critters like pigs that we're coming. Right. Um, but I don't. I don't miss beepers. And the twenty seven hundred is a great collar. And uh, you know, I, I'm not not to disparage uh, it at all. We, we're big Dogtra fans. Right. But uh, um, I don't miss beepers. They they to me they kind of ruin the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, now the nice thing about the TMB is you can turn the beeper on and off. And, okay. and if you're going to have beepers, you got to have a remote beeper. Uh, because we want to be able to shut it off and we don't need it. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, GPS is a good bit more expensive. Um, and so, uh, but it gives you, you know, it gives you so much more information. I ran beavers for a long time and uh, um, I, I don't miss them. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to so, know. Um, Cause like I said, I've up to this point, yeah. I used an old, I used to have a, um, a Dogtra Arc hands-free. Um, for my lab, and I just realized I didn't need it for him. It's probably a little bit yep. too much for him, but I'm going yep. to for this pointer. I'd be a fool not to, you yep. know, use an e collar. Well, yeah, and like I said, I, I'm a big fan. Dogtra's got a GPS system. If you want to take a look, if, you're, if you like Dogtra, want to take a look at it. They've got. Uh, um, um, I'm drawing a blank. The Pathfinder. Okay. Um, which is a yeah, which is a GPS GPS based system. And so a lot of GPS out there. Um, we're we're big fans, um, 
and uh, Sport Dogs got one that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a big fan of right now. They've had a couple of different versions, but they have one now that's it's got a silly name. It's called the Tech 1.5. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's actually a, it's a little stripped down uh, system, but 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 pretty neat and a, and a really good value for the money. Um, and so uh, so that's another one to take a look at. Okay. Uh, I'm real happy with what's going on with GPS nowadays. I, I'd like to see. We've, we've got some competition going, and Garmin dominates uh, in the GPS world, but yeah. uh, but we're seeing some competition and some new stuff. I had a, I had a phone, uh, I had a conference call um, about an hour before this call that was talking about some stuff with Garmin and some new stuff. That, okay. uh, just Just some ideas. They're a, they're, they're, they have some really interesting things that they're, that they're working on. Okay. All right. All right, Garmin. Trying to to make it, yeah. Trying to make it easier for folks. Uh, I, I, I have a lot of customers that are, you know, we have a lot of bird hunters that are, you know, that are older, uh, myself included, and uh, and and the kids. uh, I had a meeting with Garmin a few years ago, and I figured out, you know, people talk about how complicated their stuff is. I looked around, and I was the young. I mean, I was the oldest guy in the room, and at that time, I was probably forty-four. You know, and I'm surrounded by these 20-year-old engineers, and you know mm-hmm. they're all geniuses, and they have good eyes, and they understand this stuff. And, yeah, so yeah, so it's uh, technology's interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I what I like about it is, yeah, yeah. There's business competition, Steve. Like, mm-hmm. okay, we understand that, but at the end of the day, what I do appreciate about all of these companies is. There is a primary focus on the dog, and I mean it doesn't matter what the competition is. There is a primary focus on the dog. Well, there is a fine line between building, um, you know, building gear that that does what we need it to do and can survive the abuse that we put on it, and has the features that we need without overly complicating it. And mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's tricky to watch, um, and it's it's. Uh, we we do it, and several other folks were fortunate that. Uh, uh, well, when I was in South Georgia, I was down there with Sport Dog. Okay. Uh, it was a, it was a meeting to talk about some new stuff that they're working on, and so. Uh, um, and I'm I'm fortunate to get to spend some time with them, and uh, all the companies uh, do a good job of, of listening, and uh, you know, and trying to, to to figure out what the market's looking for, and and to build the, the best products. We we definitely have a lot of that going on. It's a, it's good to. Good to see. Right, right, right. Um, it's it, it's an important part of it. Uh, you know, we 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 have we have moved into more of a you know uh, you know my dogs are really important to me, and I have a relationship with all of them, even though I have a bunch of them. Uh, but most of my customers don't have the number of dogs that I have. They've, mm-hmm. they've got one or two, and they're part of the family. And uh, and that you know that that them them not coming home is just not an option. And right. So so having the ability to, um, I have I have a young dog that that got away from me. Um, while we were in Texas, he's a, he'll be two in April, a little sadder, and he's got a lot of role to him. And uh, he's a he's a grandson of Shadow Oak Bow. Mm-hmm. And uh, we know about Bo. likes to, yeah, he likes to roll. Yep. And uh, and I was actually driving to pick him up. We got through hunting, and I knew where he was, knew exactly where he was. He got down on the on the gravel road, and, and I wasn't worried about traffic because there's just not much where we are. But uh, but I actually had they, they were working on a pipeline uh, on that lease and uh, and a couple of guys on the pipeline. He came up to him and they they called phone number on my tag and uh, called the cell phone and uh, and I said I'm on my way. Just hang on to it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, but he's part of the family. He gets he, he's my wife's dog. There you so, go. Uh, so making making sure cowboy comes home is is, is very important. Look, so, I I'm I'm here for it. my wife. Will sit here and she will. Oh yeah. 
You know, Ruger, Vegas is new to the house, so she they getting to know each other. But Ruger, she's like, uh-uh, no. D- nothing happens to that dog. I, I think I might as well not come. I might as well come home without myself versus the dog. <laughs> yes. Well, well, let me recommend that you get a GPS collar then. Okay. You definitely want that. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to do that. So my one of my last kind of questions as far as, you know, industry sure. stuff. What do you, what, is there anything that you feel like is, I guess left out, or is there a specific need within the the industry, product wise? Um, you know, most of my focus is on electronics. Um, I uh, and I feel like those products are really headed in the right way. It, it, it's interesting. You'll have a, we see a lot of comments on on what folks are looking for, and uh, you know that that type of you know the things that people are looking for. Um, I I'll, I'll be totally honest with you. We have a harder time. Uh, finding high quality gear that's being manufactured in the U.S. Okay. Um, and so we, we try to find companies that are doing that, and we have several, you know, that we work with. Um, and uh, you know, so so just maintaining uh, one of our struggles as a as a retailer is finding high quality gear. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of manufacturers get caught up in. They're, they're less. They're more worried about the price than they are about the performance. And uh, and we, you know, I like to offer multiple um, options for folks because I'm I'm you know everybody's got a budget and, and and some folks can spend a lot and some folks can spend a little and I'm, I'm I have no problem with that. But we we try to stick with just just quality gear and right. uh, and that's that, that that takes a lot of work. It's a, it's a challenge. Um, and uh, but we're fortunate that we have a good many manufacturers that we work with, and uh, and that's something that we strive for. Um, as far as new stuff, you know, like I said I'm a little amazed at, at how far we've come. Um, you know, GPS Garmin introduced the, the Astro 220 in 2007, and so you know we're we're really it's still really sort of a new uh, new industry, and uh, we've been we've been really fascinated by it. It's uh, kind of changed everything about the way we hunt, and so. Uh, so I'm interested to see where it goes from here. Okay, okay, okay. I uh, I I appreciate that because there's always stuff that's you know kind of coming out and you see different ads here, different ads there in the latest whatever magazine. Um, and I'm just curious, like, okay, is there a void? So no, I appreciate your insights on that. You know, just as, as someone that's heavily involved in the uh, I guess the production side of things. You know what's new, what's hot, um, and and I I kind of wanted to just run that by you. So now, sure. Let me ask you this, and and, and we kind of moving on to the dogs now. We're moving on to the dogs. Okay. Perfect. Now you're a pointer guy because you got some sense. <laughs> you're a pointer guy you, with some you, sense. You, you, let's hold on. You <laughs> said that, not me. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to get so much play. It's fine. It's totally yeah, fine. Yeah, I know. I know. I love all the pointing breeds, so let's keep that in mind. But you have pointing dogs, and that's all I'm going to say. I have, a lot of, I have a lot of pointers. I do. Good deal. Good deal. So let me ask you this. You, and and I'm, I'm really harping on that because I kind of want to segue into your history with pointers. I'm giving my guys a lot yeah. of grief, but I got... Plenty of friends with GSPs and stuff like that. But sure. you've yeah. had the grandson of L. Hugh Chaparral. Yeah. Let, let, talk about that dog. That wasn't well, the click well, dog that you had, was it? I, I don't. I never. I never got a chance to see Chaparral uh, uh, 
myself. Mm -hmm. uh, 2006, I saw a daughter of his. I was hunting with uh, Dan Hendrickson of Phantom mm -hmm. Kennels uh, out in Texas, and he had a uh, uh, Phantom Chaparral was the name of the dog. Okay. And, you know, she was just everything that I was looking for. Um, I like to hunt out west, so I like a dog that, that's got... I typically like a... a, 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 a uh, horseback shooting dog is really mm -hmm. what I'm looking for mm -hmm. as far as range goes, um, which is a little big for this part of the world. But uh, for for me, for Mississippi, that that runs a little bit big. But I like I like you know I like a dog that runs into prairie and a little bit you know. Mm -hmm. And she was just a perfect combination of what I was looking for. Um, and I don't know what it was. There's something about her gait and her style. And uh, I'd never had I'd had a couple of pointers before that, but I'd never had a dog that had that much LHU. Um, and I started looking around and, and found that I liked a cross between, um, and this will be kind of general, but, uh, you know, a all-age shooting dog and an LHU dog. And that was kind of the cross that I liked. And I, I've done, I've had several of those over the years. And uh, in 2006, I got a puppy um, that was that was sort of that combination. He was out of, of uh, Chaparral, and, uh, and uh, Dan had a really nice dog named uh, Phantom's Wizard. Mm -hmm. And uh, and this dog's name was Click, um, mm -hmm. which my brother named my brother named him. He thought it was funny because you know on the internet you, in an email you say click here, and so he thought that was just hilarious. <laughs> that, that would be calling dog. Yeah, so that was that was I did that for Rob, um, and so uh, so he was a dog that just he was just what I think of a and I I don't know gentleman's bird dog is the you know is the the word I like. He was just classy and easy to get along with and he loved people and he was he was a really good bird dog and he ran but he wasn't hard to keep up with and there was just everything I just I liked everything about him um, and unfortunately uh, wanted to get some more dogs out of that combination and wasn't able to um, uh, Phantom Chaparral was an older dog but she had that litter and uh, I think it was one of the last litters she had wow and um, and then, and, and that's an older line, um, and haven't seen a lot of it. And like I said, I was really, really most pleased when I found out that, uh, that, that Pine Hill, uh, had, had a couple of sons mm -hmm. out of, I think they've got a, they've got, I've been told he's got a younger dog right now. Um, although maybe a Damascus dog. I'm not sure. I haven't talked to him. It's likely, it's likely a Damascus dog. I yep. think I know what you're so, about. It's likely a Damascus yep. dog. And from what I've seen, I had a dog out of I had a dog out of Damascus. It was a similar combination that had uh, it was it was Damascus on the top, and uh, the female was Black Hawk dog, and kind of a, a very similar combination there um, mm -hmm. uh, of you know of of the drive that I'm looking for, but the manners and the class that I'm looking for on the other side, and not to disparage. You know, uh, I, I'm, I just, I sort of find lines that I like the looks of the dogs and I like the attitudes of the dogs and how Absolutely. they work. Um, you know, the, the thing I tell folks when they're trying to find dogs, and this, this to me is across all breeds, is that, you know, you want to look at, at dogs and see what kind of dogs they're producing. Mm -hmm. um, and if you like that, you know, the puppies that they're producing, then you want to go to that line. Um, and it, it, it's a tricky thing to do to see a lot of dogs. And a lot of folks don't have the, the opportunity to do it. But I get to see a lot of dogs and, uh, you know, and I get to go, oh, well, like that. And I, I typically keep up and go, okay, next time I get a chance, I'm going to buy one of these. Right. Um, and so, uh, so you got to be careful about it. Like I said, I'm a bird dog collector, so I, <laughs> I, I, I get out of hand every once in a while. But uh, I, I've been real impressed with, you know, and, and the LHU lines are, are getting a little bit harder and harder. You've got a few guys that are, that are, 
still, but but that's an older, you know, Mr. Whaley's been gone for a while. And uh, um, so that's one of those lines that, that that's a little bit harder to find. And so there's still some guys out there that have some, some lines that are very close to it. And uh, um, so uh, you've got to be kind of like everything else. You're just going to be, you gotta, you got to know your breeders and you got to know what they're doing and, you know, and be able to uh, uh, be able to, uh, you know, find somebody that, that's raising the kind of dogs you want to hunt behind. Mm-hmm. Well, and that and that's it's interesting you say that Mr. Whaley has been gone for a minute, and um, what I liked about Pine Hill was the fact that Gary met Bob, like he oh, he, yeah. he met him, and um, yep. he got Damascus from him. So for me, that was yeah. There's go ahead. Well, there's still an attempt. Yeah, there's still that connection there, mm-hmm. and that's that's getting you know that's getting further and further back. Right. Um, but yeah, you still got you still got some of that, so it's it's good to see. Mm-hmm. And that um, was that was the thing so. that sold me on him. That's why I wanted to get Lil sure. Vegas so much because I knew that this is a man that shook hands with Mr. Re- Mr. Whaley, like, uh, mm-hmm. and and just he's going to adhere to his best standards as he could to get as close as he possibly can to the LU breed. Um, I, I just really wanted to try to stay as close as I could to that and also not drive all the way up to Canada to do it. Yes. So, it, you know, with these LU dogs, um, there were certain traits that, you know, Gary had kind of told me about and I was like, okay, I think this is what it is that I'm looking for. And, I'm new to the pointer game. You know, I'm, I'm very, very, very new. And looking for a dog, all I wanted was a machine. I wanted a bird-finding machine. And if you sit here and read two pages of Snakefoot, that's the dog that I was looking for. Sure. You know, and, and Lil Vegas right here sitting in my lap, he's coming from a Magoo and a Snakefoot line. Those are the dogs that I was looking for, man. It was it was sold as soon as I found that out. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the trick, really, is to find what you're looking for, you know, um, and, and spend some time and, and and understand. And I do not, you know, I I, I do not breed dogs and raise puppies, and and I'm, I'm there are a lot of talented guys out there doing it, mm-hmm. and so uh, so I, I tend to uh, I tend to follow and find stuff that I like, and uh, you know, and 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 uh and watch dogs and you know and see what other people are doing right um right. and so uh you know that's 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 what i'm looking for to dog it's important to to like how they look and like how they hunt and like their attitude and, uh you know how they get along uh other dogs and in the house and uh you know the, all those things are important right now when you're talking about dogs are you are you just hunting them or are you trialing them too uh, you know, I trialed a good bit when I was a teenager, and okay. uh, at a certain point, um, and, and I enjoyed it. Um, at a certain point, we, we reached a point where my dad said, "Okay, we've got to pick one or the other. We've either got to hunt or we've got to trial." Um, and uh, and for me, it was there was no contest between it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that was that, that was my business back in the you know this is back in the mid '80s. Um, so a little different world now. Um, I don't know if I'll go back to trialing uh, again. Um, I start hunting in September and I run until the end of February and, uh, it's, you know, um, there's, some, there's some spring trials that I could be involved with, but I'm usually, I'm usually either training or I have to do some work. And, uh, so, uh, so I, I don't, I haven't for years and I don't know if I will again. Right. Um, 
it's a great thing to do if you if you if you have time. I'm I'm still raising kids and um you know, it's just very time consuming to do it well. Well, and that that's been my uh if I can be totally transparent on the podcast, mm-hmm. that is yeah. been my biggest dilemma because at the end of the day, Steve, I I want a hunt dog. I care more about hunting well, than I now, do trial. Now you can do both. Now, you can. I, I, I'm not saying that. But I got I'm a baby on the way. Consider that. Yeah, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I said I got a baby on the way, so consider that too. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, you done, you, you messed up there, my friend. <laughs> when is your baby due? August 18th, to be exact. Okay, all right, so you're, you're smarter than me. My first son was born in no, My first son was born in November. No. And, uh, yeah, and I remember telling my, I remember Kathy and I went down to tell my parents, and we were all so proud, and everything was great. And uh, shortly after, it was just me and my dad. He looked at me and goes, son, can you not do basic math? <laughs> and I, I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, I'm going to be in Texas in November. You're going to be here. Right. And so, yeah. So my other children were born in uh, April and May and uh, in uh, July. Man. So, uh, I did figure out. Yeah, I figured out the math things. So you did well on, on your on your, your first time there. Uh, look, now, now, if you're talking about math, I, look, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I yeah. totally appreciate it. Now, let me tell you something about math. My wife, I married the woman whose math tests I used to cheat off of in eighth grade. So ah, <laughs> you did well. Yeah. <laughs> so trust yeah. me, I'm not good at math. I just lucked up. <laughs> yeah. So that's good. Now, because and, and I ask that because that's been my biggest dilemma. Like I care the most about a hunting dog. Like. Trialing is great, and I and I feel like well, I owe it to the bloodline. But I care about hunting. Man. Sure. Well, I'm not saying that you can't do both. Um, I know plenty of folks that do, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, for us, and I'm not really sure if I had to guess for for us as much as anything, it was a money consideration mm-hmm. um, because there was only so much money to go around as far as it was spend money on traveling to hunt or spend money on traveling to field trial. Um, and I I think that that for a lot of folks. Um, that are I, I, I'm fortunate in that I get to travel a good bit to do, to do my hunting, um, and so uh, you know. Uh, but no, I'm not at all saying you can't do both. Um, yeah. And I think that that you know there's there's certain you want to find the right, and there are a lot of different pointing dog events, and and you want to find the one that fits you know what you're doing the best, and whether that's you know NBHA or NASRA or. Uh, you know, whatever it is uh, that, that, that fits you and, and find the right group, you know, um, I, I think it's great. And I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Right. Um, it right. was just uh, as much as anything. It depends on how much time you have. Right. But there's no reason you can't do both. Well, and how I figured my, and, and, and it, you know, everything changes. Things change three, four, five months down the line. Um, and especially when this baby comes, it's really going to change. But my plan is... Yep that I'm going to hunt from basically September to as far as I can into the next year. So maybe February, March. And then once that kind of dies down, then I'll start doing Nastra and things like that. Um, So that was kind of my logic, but I I was, I was really curious about getting your insights on it. Sure. Well, I'm all for it. Um, You know, like I said, it's just, uh, just not there's only so many hours in a day for me oh yeah no it's only so so many uh hours in a day for me so steve sure. let me let me ask you this too man 
you've got all of these dogs and you ain't but so many hours in a day. How are you going about training these dogs? Um, I'm, I do a good bit of training in the spring. And then, you know, a lot of the times that we're like this year, you know, we, I like to train on wild birds when I can. Um, several of the trips that I took this year, uh, we only took puppies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was a, it was a down year and I wanted to make sure that the puppies were getting, you know, as many bird contacts as they could. So I do a lot of training during, you know, hunting season. Um, I've got two dogs that are two and two dogs that are, you know, they're one, they'll be, they'll be two, um, coming up. So we spent a good bit, you know, working them. Um, and then this spring, you know, we'll, we'll train a good bit, uh, in the spring. Um, another plug I wanted to, to, to put out, uh, I use the Smith method. Uh-huh. Uh, I was fortunate enough to, uh, my first bird dog came from uh, Rick Smith. And when I was 14, I got to attend the Delmer Smith seminar. Mm. And so, uh, so I've, I've been kind of tied in Smith family for a long time. And, uh, we have a, we have a seminar coming up in March, uh, at Burn Oak Lodge, which mm-hmm. is in Crawford, Mississippi. Uh, Ronnie Smith will be here putting on a foundation seminar. And so, uh, so I always kind of start my spring off with that. We've been doing those for, for, Ooh, goodness, 12 or 13 years. And so it kind of gets me in the right mindset, uh, to have Ronnie come over and harass me about my dogs and, and hear, you know, what I'm doing right, and what I'm doing wrong, and, uh, and and a chance to see him work with folks. And uh, I'm a I'm a big fan of their methods, and uh, I always look forward to spending time with them. And so uh, so we've got that seminar coming up March 16th and 17th, and still have some open slots if anybody's uh, uh, looking to improve their dog training. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a fun weekend. We have a, we have a good time, get a chance to, and they do seminars all across the country. Uh, Ronnie Smith Kennels and uh, Rick's website is huntsmith.com mm-hmm. and so uh so if you're looking to learn more about bird dogs uh, it's a good place to go um and so uh so we've got that coming up so I, i've got a lot of work to do i've got two young dogs that are not they're they're holding their birds about half the time uh and uh so we'll 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 you know steady them up uh i don't train a lot in the summer it gets pretty brutal here heat wise mm-hmm. and so i'll typically work dogs up until into May, sometimes first week of June, and then we're typically through uh, until we head north. Right. Um, and uh, I'll go to, depending on what's going on, I typically go to Montana or the Dakotas and uh, try and spend some time up there in September and October. Man. And, uh, yeah. And then and then we kind of work our way around depending on what's going on. Uh, but we do a lot of training during, you know, what, what I would call hunting season. We do, we do an enormous amount of training with young dogs. Okay. Okay. You well, first of all, you're making me jealous. So with this little baby here, this little seven-week-old pointer, um, I'm yeah. actually going. When I tell you, I'm going by uh, three folks as far as training. I'm going by okay. first and foremost, Delmar Smith. Best way to train your gun yeah. dog. I mean, I'm okay. T- book to the T. Um, Hang on to that. I saw I saw a picture of that book of yours. Hang on to that. They're they're hard to come by. Hey man, I what's crazy yeah. is. Uh, I when I ordered when I bought it, it's a first edition. I got it for dirt shit cheap, and which is very hard to come by. And also, um, I don't I don't know I don't know what 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 was on the seller's mind, but that's a very valuable book. And um, I'm also going off of uh, Bud Moore, who was you know right behind Delmar. He was. Part of the Bird Dog Hall of Fame, all kinds of stuff. You know, I talk to Bud fairly regularly. And then 
um, you know, tweaking that a little bit with um, a buddy of mine down here, uh, Neil Carter Jr., who is a phenomenal bird dog trainer. Um, phenomenal down here in Thomasville, Georgia. So I'm kind of sure. piecing together Delmar, Bud, and Neil mm-hmm. all together and, and, and swinging it a little bit. Sure. Well, you know, ha- having resources that are close by and being able to have somebody help you through it is a great thing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that, that's, a, that's a key factor. There's a lot of different ways to do it. I'm real open-minded when it comes to dog training. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've seen a lot of different methods, and we sell a lot of different methods. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so I, I like to see them all and hear what folks have to, you know, have to say and get their thoughts on what they're doing. And so uh, that's a great way to do it. Uh, you know, seminars are a lot of fun, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of books and a lot of videos, and uh, just all sorts of different ways to go about it. Right. And so uh, I'm a I'm a big fan. Well, I I appreciate it, but I mean that's just a true testament to the Smith family. You know, from Delmar to Rick to Ronnie mm-hmm. to all of those to, to Susanna Love. All of those folks mm-hmm. are just banging it out. And then if you read Reed Bryant's um, write-up on them in the recent Cubby Rise, yeah. dude, <laughs> if that didn't yeah. make you want to get out your seat and get on training some bird dogs, I don't know what would have. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ronnie outkicked his coverage when he uh, when he married Suzanne. <laughs> She's quite bird dog trainer. Yeah. Yeah. That lady knows how to train some and- dogs. Yeah, if uh, if you get a chance to, Mr. Delmer's still tooling around. Um, he uh, he's doing pretty well. I think he's ninety three now. Well, uh, he'll show up every once in a while, and uh, I got he he worked a couple of dogs for me a few years ago, and uh, he he's he's still he's still out doing his thing. Man, when I tell you, Steve, I will dry, I will walk to meet Delmar. Like, oh yeah, I will literally heal my dog and walk to meet Delmar. <laughs> Well, he was he was up at the national. Uh, he was at Ames. I, I saw a picture of him mm-hmm. on uh, on Facebook. He was taking a nap in one of the in mm-hmm. one of the rooms in the back. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, he still he still gets around. Look, Bud so, uh, Bud sent me one photo of, of Delmar. But but we're losing a bunch of our we're losing a bunch of our bird dog folks. We've got a bunch of folks from you know the, that generation that uh, they're still around. Uh, the the Bird Dog Hall of Fame does mm-hmm. a uh, they've been doing something the last couple of years where they've had uh, legends you mm-hmm. know and they do this lunch uh, legends lunch where they invite everybody and and they sit around and talk and uh, it's kind of fascinating stuff. Well, I'm definitely a big proponent of it and. <clears throat> Just as far as the podcast goes, I'm going to beeline it to see if I can get Delmar, Rick, Ronnie, Susanna Love, any of them on. Not just for the sake of podcast, but, you know, Steve, this is my passion. This is my joy. I feel like I would be doing a disservice to my dog and myself by not talking to Delmar while while he's here. I hate to be so morbid about it, but, like... Sure. No, that man. I think a lot of us bird dog guys owe it to Delmar. Sure, you know to get out there and he's see a, him. Yeah, he's quite a guy. He's yep. uh, if you get time to spend any time with him, it's definitely worthwhile. Yep, yep, yep. Well, you know, Steve, I don't already took a ton of your time. <laughs> um. Well, I mean. Oh Lord, that was a little puppy groaning. <laughs> 
Jesus Christ. So let me let me ask you this, and and I want to I want to take too much of your time. Um, sure. What talk to me about the 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 landscapes of Montana, Texas, um, anything that really strikes out to you? And I ask you that because my buddy Hunter Morton, he said he actually got a chance to meet you. Oh yeah. Yep. And um, uh, he, I mean, spoke so highly of you. So talk about that a bit. Well, you know, uh, Montana, um, we, we hunt, uh, depending on what's going on, we hunt uh, Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas. Uh, I haven't hunted Oklahoma in a long time, but every once in a while we do, um, and Texas, um, which uh, is part of the plains. Um, every one of them is different. Every one of them has its own set of challenges. Uh, Montana is one of those places that you really can't, pictures don't do it justice. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and there's there's parts of that, you know, parts of the West that, that are just that way. Um, uh, North Dakota, the Badlands, uh, South Dakota, the Badlands. I mean, there's just, it's just a different part of the world. I, I grew up around a lot of trees. Um, mm -hmm. you know, the, the Mississippi is covered up with trees. We have lots of trees. We used to be prairie, and now we, we don't have, we have very little prairie left. And I like big open country. And so those states really have still a lot of that. And, and fortunately, most of those states still have an enormous amount of, of upland hunting. Uh, and vast majority of them have an upland, uh, have an enormous amount of public upland hunting. Um, you don't see much of that in Texas, uh, and I don't, you know, we just, we just, there's just not a lot of public ground in Texas that it's quail ground. Um, but uh, we're in Montana, the Dakotas, uh, Nebraska. We're hunting, you know, we're hunting mainly public land. Um, uh, Kansas, same way. Uh, you know, it's it's there's millions and millions of acres of public land. And uh, so it's 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 a neat part of the world. It's a tough country. Um, it can be very dry. Um, it's tough on dogs' feet. Um, you've got to condition your dogs for it. Um, and and weather changes can be really drastic. Um, but but uh, you know it's it's great to see um, you know wild birds. Um, I grew up hunting wild birds, and I, I it's what I love to do. And uh, everything from you know uh, huns and sharp tails and prairie chickens. Uh, and you know, blue quail. Uh, we haven't even talked about blue quail. Blue quail are my favorite. Oh my god! Uh, Please, you know, hold on, hold so, on. Can yeah. I take too much of your time? Do you mind? No, I don't mind. I don't mind. I gotta, I got I'm gonna be late for something here in a minute. But, uh, but if you, if you ask me about blue quail, I'll talk about blues. Give me a little bit on blue quail now. Oh, they're so much fun. Uh, they get such a bad rap. Um, so the part of Texas that I'm in, um, we have it's crossover where we have a little bit of both. And, uh, um, so you never really know what you're, you know, what you're coming up on. Um, Bob White's out West will run, but nothing like blue quail. Mm -hmm. Um, they are constantly on the move. Um, they're big cubbies. Uh, they're smart. They're tough. Um, they're just the most amazing game bird I have ever hunted. To be fair, I have never hunted chuckers, so I, I can't really I can't really compare the two. Mm -hmm. um, but there's something about blue quail, um, and, and and they call them scalies out in certain part, but in Texas they call them blues. And uh, they're just they're very challenging. Um, you don't get a lot of covey rises. Typically, when your dogs start getting birdie, um, you got to start looking out because uh, the coveys will will get up. You know, they'll get up on you a good bit out, and you have to go after them. Um, and you can get them to hold if they if they break up. But uh, it also takes a certain kind of dog. 
um, that have to understand, you know, how they work. And uh, I've had some that were great at it. I've had some that, that struggled with it. Um, but I just, they're, they're tough birds. Um, they they are not easy to kill. And uh, and if you knock one down, you better, you know, you better go right to them. We don't wait for dogs to pick them up. We go after them. Right. Um, because they are, they have a survival you know their 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 desire to survive outdoes anything else. Um, wow. I love I love like and I'll pick on sharp tails. I love sharp tails, but sharp tails are easy to kill. Okay. Uh, early season sharp tails are easy to kill. Um, you know blue quail are hard all the time. Um, and I love I love sharp tails. They're they're greatest bird to work dogs on. But uh, but but if you can take a dog and you can get him working on blue quail, he can do anything. Wow. Because everything else is like moving in slow motion. But people hate them. They absolutely hate them. It's so funny. Um, most people that, that are Bob White hunters that run into blues want blues to act like Bobs, and they don't. It's a they different bird. Do they don't act like them. And, and I absolutely love them. They're just my, my favorite. Um, but I was 36 before I ever saw one. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We just didn't hunt out that far west. I, I saw a cubby. I probably saw one cubby when we, we used to hunt up at the bottom of the panhandle of Texas. Mm-hmm. And I saw one cubby um, um, maybe in 93, 94, something like that. Um, but uh, it was two, probably 2004, 2005, somewhere in that neighborhood before I ever hunted them. And wow. so uh, out of all the game birds that I've hunted, it's my favorite. Okay. Um, but they're, well. they're, tough on, they're tough on a dog, man. They're tough on a dog. Okay, but, well, uh, you just made yeah. me want to go out and hunt some blue quail then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. You definitely sold that. Well, dang, man, I think that is a great point to just kind of, you know, round everything okay. up. Um, and, and Steve, do you realize how much it, you know, it, it means to have you on the podcast? Like, you are a well, freaking very, icon. Very kind. No, that's very kind. But no, no, I'm just. I sell dog collars for a living. I'm just, uh, yeah. No. Yeah. So there's a lot of folks out there that are that are big time. I just. Uh, uh, we're just having a good time, and I, I enjoy my bird dogs. I'm very fortunate, man. Man. Well, I. You know, I just want to thank you so much um, for even being on the podcast, being a very sure. special guest, and. You know, now before we get off, where can folks find yep. you? Is anything coming up? Give give me some, give me the goods. Uh, website's gundogsupply.com. Uh, we're on Facebook, and uh, we do we do a little bit on Facebook. I don't do a lot on Facebook. We do a little bit on Facebook, but uh, most of our stuff's on our website. And uh, so uh, we've got a couple of mailing lists you can get on, and new stuff all the time. And uh, but we're uh, you know feel free to give us a call, and uh, uh, you can. Ask for me. They'll transfer it to my cell phone if I'm not here, if I'm not playing around somewhere. But, okay. uh, but we've got lots of folks that can help you. and uh, Just anything we can help you with, we're, that's what we do. We're here to help folks you know, okay. solve problems with dogs. All right. All right. Well, guys, y'all have heard it from the Steve Snell himself. Okay? Um, you got to stop doing that. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I When I tell you I got into the bird dog world and I was like, yeah. Steve Snell, like... No, I'm I'm not I'm that's not that. blowing smoke, dude. That's, that's, I'm telling that's you, very kind, very kind, <laughs> very kind. So, well, guys, that is another episode of the Gun Dog Notebook. Please go check out Steve. Go find him, GunDogSupply.com. Um, 
you know, I, I can already see I'm going to be itching to get out of Texas with you. So, man, um, that's another episode of the Gun Dog Notebook podcast before I talk any longer. Guys, uh, stay tuned for another episode next week, and we will see y'all later. Okay. I hope y'all enjoyed that episode, guys, with Steve Snell. That one that one was one for the books that I had really been looking forward to for a while. Um, as we conclude, I just want to thank my sponsors again, Dakota 283 Kennels. Please, 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 guys, if you need to dine and dash products, you get 50% off. If you purchase a uh, G3 signature kennel, um, and at the end of the checkout, go ahead and put capital TGDN50DD for 50% off of the Dine and Dash products. Um, Lion Country Supply. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, guys. Y'all were too cool. Um, if y'all need that spring training stuff, be ahead of the game, be ahead of the curve. Um, go ahead and get your wish list together, and you know, let's start looking into some of that, some of those things. Um, especially if, like I said, if you're like me and you're a pointer guy, you're going to need some new supplies. Cause yeah. And my retriever guys, that's just as much money too. So go ahead, check them out. Lion country supply, uh, lcsupply.com and, um, the pride dog food, please, please, please reach out guys. At times I can be a little bit slow to, um, Respond to emails, but I promise you I want to get you guys connected to some really, really, really good dog food. Um, so just reach out to me via email or DM. It's uh, thegundognotebook at gmail.com. Uh, Instagram and Facebook work as well, and I can get you sent to Mike Carr. Very, very nice guy who really cares about his dogs. Um, Project Upland, thank these guys again for, you know, Chet, Will, uh um, AJ, Nick Larson, all of those guys for supporting me and everything that we uh, have coming up. And I got some surprises there. Um, go ahead. Like I said, send me the photos and uh, tag me in your post. Tag Project Upland, hashtag Project Upland, whatever you need to do. And, and let me know about your stories from this past season. I want to get some of these uh, magazines to you guys. My Patreon subscribers. The next one, I'm sending a, an issue number one to um, Orvis. Thank y'all so much. I got an article. I'm, I'm on the last couple of sentences of that article. I'm just being particular about editing it, guys. But I really feel like it's good. It's on a uh, on the season, kind of a season recap, if you feel like reading about it. So check that out in the uh, coming days as well. I hope you guys appreciate it. I'll also post it on my website. So... With that being said, I think that's all. Look for Greg Cronkite of Dakota 283 Kennels coming up next episode, guys. Thanks.